we all want to do well at work. We want to be great at our jobs. We invest our finances, our time into our education. We take courses, certifications. We look for experiences that will make us better because we want to be good at what we do. We want to be great at what we do. But the problem is, is that if the quest to be a superstar at work is not managed properly, it can actually come at a hefty price. And so in this episode of Happy Without Medicine, I'm going to share on how you can be amazing at your job. You can be a superstar at work without sacrificing every other area of your life. So enjoy the episode. Welcome to Happy Without Medicine, and I'm your host, Dr. Yuandi, a medical doctor, therapist, and a fierce advocate for your happiness. My mission here is simple, to help professional women just like you create a life you're excited to wake up to. It's time to make the happiness you feel on the inside match the success others see on the outside. Let's get started. So I know you're listening to this podcast, and because you're listening to this podcast, or any podcast for that matter, you don't do average. That I can guarantee. You don't do mediocre. You don't do the status quo. You like to be great at whatever it is that you do. Whatever it is that you do, you like to do it well, or most things. Maybe not everything, but most things. And I know that you value the work that you put out into the world. The problem is that in your quest to be great, in your quest to be a superstar, particularly at work, many of us can get very tunnel visioned and just work, 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 forsaking all else. If you're anything like me, you've probably come from an environment where it was okay to do that. In fact, we almost had to do that to survive. Uh, Last week, I was speaking to a patient of mine and she was telling me that She would go to the library when she was in university. She would go to the library from morning until the last bus was about to leave late at night. And I know you can relate because I could relate. (laughs) I'm not the only one, I'm sure, who would roll up their winter jacket. So what I would do is I would be in the library. I would roll up my winter jacket into a pillow. I would find a corner of the library to take a nap. And then I would come back and hit the books again. And don't judge me because I know you did the same thing too, or maybe something similar. I know that you go hard. You go hard when it comes to succeeding. Well, okay, when you were in your teens and maybe your 20s, or maybe in your early, mid-30s, you could get away with that. But when other responsibilities started to come into the mix, so Maybe kids, a spouse, aging parents, shifts in your hormones, responsibilities like a mortgage, you know, all of that, that level of intensity, that level of go, 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 go no longer becomes sustainable. But this is where the conflict arises because now you're at a point where you still want to perform at work. You still want to be that superstar that everyone knows you to be. But it's clear that this level of drive is starting to take its toll and it's costing you a lot more than what you're willing to give it. And so in this episode, I really just wanted to share some things that have been useful for the various clients that I've worked with, even for myself, on how to still be a rock star at work 
how to still do a great job and be amazing at what you do without necessarily sacrificing all the other areas of your life, like your health, your family, etc. And so on to the practical part of this episode. The first thing that I want to recommend is that you need to know your strengths. You actually need to take the time and invest in understanding your strengths and how you operate in the work environment. I mean, there are many, many different strength assessments out there. There's the DISC, there's the Clifton Strengths, there's the Kobe, the personality tests like the Ocean Personality Assessment, Myers-Briggs, a ton of different things out there. And I'm just going to go ahead and put a disclaimer out there. I was one who never believed in the validity of these personality tests because most of these haven't actually been studied. They haven't actually been proven to be valid. And depending on how you end up using them, you might end up leaning on them as kind of like a crutch or an excuse not to push yourself out of your comfort zone. So these things have their pros, but they also have their cons as well. You don't want to end up taking one of these tests and saying, oh, the Myers-Briggs says that I am an introvert, therefore I will never ever leave my house again, (laughs) right? That is not the point. But when I started to buy into doing some of these tests, I found them to be particularly useful in areas when it came to interpersonal relationships. And it also helped confirm what I already suspected to be true about myself and feeling seen and heard and validated and knowing that this part of me actually is a strength and can be nurtured has been very helpful for me. And I've seen it work and be helpful in that way for other people too. And so, yes, these personality tests have their cons, but I think that they can be very useful, particularly in your understanding of your relationships with other people at work. And also just you already know that something seems to be off, whether it's at work or at home. And doing some of these tests can help shed some light as to why things might be feeling a little bit off. And one quick and easy way that I love to recommend to the women I work with is Sending out an email or a text message, so not a phone call, not a face-to-face conversation. It has to be text-based, so email or text to between five and 10 of your loved ones and just simply asking them, what are my strengths? Asking them, what are my strengths? What are the things you come to me for? What are the things that you see that I'm good at? And when you collect these responses, look at them. One thing I actually enjoy doing with my patients and my clients is getting them to read these responses out loud because when they get them, it feels good. And remember, we're asking for strengths, okay? I know you're probably going to be tempted to ask for weaknesses. That is not the point of this exercise. We're trying to gather your strengths. And so reading it out loud can feel so good. And even more importantly is then being able to identify some recurring themes. It's often fascinating to me when this happens because it almost seems like everyone that you asked has gathered and had a meeting and said, okay, what are we going to write about her? And it's very interesting when there are these themes or even the same words that keep coming up over and over again for whoever does this exercise. And so when you see themes like that, If you do this exercise and you see themes like that, pay attention because people 
who are close to you are able to let you know what your strengths are, strengths that you might not even believe are strengths. And that insight is very important to pay attention to and to start to build upon. The other part of knowing how you operate, and I speak about values a lot because they are critically important, is to know your values and to make sure that your work is aligning with your values because if you value autonomy, innovation, collaboration, and you're stuck in a cubicle, you're being micromanaged, working on an MS-DOS system, don't laugh. I actually have a client who is at work and they still use MS-DOS <laughs> at their job. And so, yes, a system from the 80s, you value innovation and you're stuck at this job. You know, it's not going to feel fun. It's not going to feel fulfilling. You're not going to do well at this job because it completely conflicts with your values. You also don't want to be compromising values like family, integrity, well-being, especially if they mean a lot to you for the sake of work because, girl, it never ends well, okay? And moving on to the next thing that I want to bring up is that in this quest of being awesome at your job and being a superstar, being a rock star, it's still important to keep work in its place. And what do I mean by that? So the other day, again, I was talking about work and I was talking to a patient and she was saying how she was really trying to figure out how to make work fit into all the things that she does. For a bit of context, we were discussing the story and you've probably heard it already, uh, the story of a university professor who was demonstrating to their class a lesson on priorities. And so this professor had a glass container and Next to the glass container, there was a volume of sand. There were some small stones. There were also some large rocks. And the challenge was to get all these materials to fit into the glass container, which obviously has limited capacity, just like we as human beings do, <laughs> right? So when the professor tried to put the sand first, all the materials did not fit because the sand had taken up far too much volume. Same thing when the professor tried to put in the small stones first, there was no room for everything else to fit. The only way all the materials would fit into this glass jar were if they were placed in the right order. So the large rocks would go in first, smaller by the small stones, and then followed by the sand. And the sand would interestingly find its way to fit around all the other materials until everything fit into the jar. And so as we were talking about this, she had described work as this large rock, like this large block, I think is actually what she said. And what I offered to her was, you know, maybe, maybe it's time to start thinking about work as the sand. Maybe it's time to grind up the rock, <laughs> turn it into some sand, and that way you are then able to fit that area of life around the other areas of life right now that need your attention, that are demanding your attention, right? Not to say that work will never ever be a priority, but I think it's very important for us to identify what in this season is a large rock and what in the season has to become sand. It's important to always keep the main thing, the main thing. And so things like your health, 
your most valuable relationships, your peace of mind, right? And try to find a way to make work fit around all of that. Okay, I'll be the first to admit that that's not always easy. I know it's not always easy, but it's certainly not impossible. And in order to make that happen, leading into the next point that I want to bring up, you need to have a supportive team. You need to have a supportive team. And not only that, you need to be intentional about selecting your team, whether it's at home or whether it's at work, where you're in a position to be hiring other people or selecting who is going to be on your team. Make sure that whoever you're bringing on is an asset is actually going to help you and not hurt you or take out of you. It's important to do your research, whether you are researching a nanny, whether you're researching a cleaning service, where you're researching an assistant, a billing coordinator, a bookkeeper, a manicurist, a hairstylist, right? You don't want to go to the braider feeling good about yourself. And then you are spending a month worrying about if your edges are going to fall off. Like that's not helping. (laughs) That's not helping, right? And so on a more serious note, when you are building a support system at work or at home, be intentional, be thoughtful, Do your research with the intention of making life easier for you and not harder for you. Create a support system, but be intentional about who is in that support system. The next point that I want to raise is that in this economy, you must learn to negotiate. You must learn to negotiate. And if you're like, oh my goodness, I don't like talking about money. I feel weird asking for raises and things like that. Understand that this is a skill that you can learn and you can practice and you can get good at. And what triggered this for me is that over the weekend on Friday, my husband and I were having a conversation with our planner, our financial planner, and he used to be an accountant. And so he was talking about how he would have a budget for his employees, but no one would ever ask for the raise. And so being an accountant, having to balance the books at the end of the quarter or whatever, he wouldn't just offer, hey, everybody, I have some money here. Who would like a raise? (laughs) No, like you would have to ask for it in order to get it, right? And so many of us don't realize that if you don't ask, (laughs) you probably aren't going to get it. So record your accomplishments, start recording all the value you bring to your organization and set a timeline for yourself, whether that's three months from now, six months from now, you are not going to get fired. I think a lot of us are also worried about losing our jobs or getting fired because we're asking for a raise. Know that it costs your organization a lot of money to retrain somebody for your role. It costs them money if you leave and they have to replace you. They have to fill in the gaps while you are gone, etc. So know that they are not going to fire you, especially if you are someone who is bringing value to your organization and having your list and recording your list of accomplishments. And if you work in an organization where you can actually tie that to a monetary value even better Keep that list so that when you go in to ask for this raise, you're going in with confidence. This conversation of negotiation, it's not a fight. It's not an argument. It's not a threat. You're not threatening to leave if they don't pay you more. It's simply an ask. 
It's simply an ask. My kids will come up to me and say, mommy, can I have a cookie? Yes or no. And if I say no, they're like, okay. And they keep it moving, (laughs) right? It's simply an ask. But if you don't ask, you don't have the opportunity. You're not giving them the opportunity to say yes. And if they say no, you could simply ask, okay, when can we review this matter again? Should I come back in three months? Should I come back in six months? You know, what else can I do to increase my value to the organization in order to qualify for a raise? Please don't take it personal if they say no, especially if you know that your employer is generally a reasonable person. I mean, if they're not, that's a completely different conversation, a whole different kettle of fish. But truly, at the end of the day, if they are reasonable, their no is actually more like a not yet or come back and ask me later, okay? So you must learn to negotiate. You must learn to ask for more, especially if more is available, because the last thing you want is to feel resentful about your job because you feel like you're not getting compensated appropriately. When you're not getting compensated appropriately, it's difficult to show up as your best. So appropriate financial compensation is so important. And the last thing that I want to mention is is to listen to your body. As women, we have this ability (laughs) to completely ignore the warning signs that our body is giving us, telling us that, hey girl, it's time for us to slow down because I do not know how much more I can take you pushing me this way, right? If if our bodies could talk, that is what it would say. Imagine a solidly made Toyota. So maybe you bought this car brand new and maybe you do like a 25 kilometer commute every day with this car to work and back. And maybe you're someone who loves to go fast. You You like to push the speed limit a little bit. You'd like to get as close to the to the edge of the speed limit as you want to. And so you're constantly pushing hard on the accelerator every morning to work and back. And this trusty Toyota has stuck by you through year one, year two, year three, year five, and you've done a great job taking care of it. You've changed the oil, you've addressed whatever recalls that they have put out, all of it. You've done a good job. The thing is that no matter what you do to maintain the health of this car, it's still going through wear and tear. That's just it. I mean, you know how they say that when you buy a car, the minute you drive it off the parking lot, it starts to lose its value? Yeah. I mean, this is where this analogy kind of falls apart a little bit because if we're staying with the car, we know that we are not losing our value We are more like aging, like fine wine, you know, getting better with age, okay? (laughs) But I say all that to say that if we think about our bodies like this machine that we've been pushing hard for decades and decades and decades, eventually your body's going to be like, okay, no, we're not doing this anymore. (laughs) We're not doing this, this anymore. And those lights start to come on, the lights on your dashboard start to come on. If you don't pay attention to those warning signs, your body is going to force you to slow it down. The engine is going to give out. You know, you're going to end up having to spend a lot of time and energy replacing it all. So listen to your body. And we hear this a lot where they say, oh, as women, we can't have it all. Or some people will say that, yes, we can have it all. And no matter where you fall in that debate, 
debate, I do believe that we can be awesome at our jobs. We absolutely can. But what we must not do is allow work to come at the expense of our health and our most valuable relationships. I believe that if you are in a workplace that is leveraging your strengths, where your values are being honored, where you are keeping work in its place and prioritizing the things that need to be prioritized, if you're negotiating so that your compensation keeps you motivated, if you're paying attention to what your body is telling you with regards to, okay, you need a break, you need to slow down, you need to shed some responsibilities, etc., doing these things will help you be great at your job. They will help you be a superstar at work. And you'll do it in a way where you're not sacrificing the things that mean something to you, the things that are important to you. And so to wrap up this episode with a quote, this quote is from Andrew Carnegie that says, there is little success where there is little laughter. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you found it useful. If you did, I would so appreciate it if you could go ahead to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Leave Happy Without Medicine a review because what that does is it allows Happy Without Medicine get found by other women who are also potentially struggling with their home life, with their work lives, and what you are learning. And so they can also start to feel better about their work and their home, one simple change at a time. Okay, I'll catch you next time. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Yoandi, on the Happy Without Medicine podcast this week. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could give it a review on Apple Podcast because it helps Happy Without Medicine pop up when other women are searching for ways to find their happiness again. And visit happywithoutmedicine.com to view the complete show notes and other resources mentioned in today's episode. I'll catch you next time.